Welcome to the Save by Mother Earth podcast, where we talk about self-connection through spirituality and nature immersion. I'm your host, Heather Webster, and I'm so glad to have you here today. In today's episode, I interview Jenny Russell. Jenny is the host of the Art of Finding Joy podcast. Without further ado, here's the interview with Jenny. So welcome, Jenny. It's so great to have you on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. And thank you for having me on. It's so nice to see you and meet with you. Yeah, it's so nice to meet some of the fellow classmates from our podcasting class and how great it is to see what everybody's doing, but also to meet people that live all over the world. Yes, I've met so many people in the US through this podcast and I'm in Germany, so it's a little bit different um, and super interesting as well to find like huge cultural differences in the way that um, podcasts are marketed and you know, social media is used and all sorts of things. It's been really fascinating. Yeah, for sure. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about your story and how it connects to like self-connection and spirituality? For sure. So, I mean, I think so many paths in our life lead to this self-connection and almost like the unlearning of ourselves and all the limiting beliefs we've had. But I think there's definitely been a few key um, things. So one of them is travel. Um, I've moved around a lot as a kid and now um, as an adult, just moving to Germany, which was literally, uh, I was living in Australia and I was really unhappy. And um, my family and I were coming on holiday to Europe. And I kind of went, well, why am I going back to Australia? <laughs> I don't want to. So I packed up my life and traveled around Europe with a backpack for six months. And it was amazing. And I think just that being willing to be by yourself and to be uncomfortable because you know that you can trust yourself and it will all be okay. Um, that's a really powerful skill to develop and traveling definitely did that for me just starting fresh I moved to Germany and I didn't know anybody and um, yeah I can't say my German speaking has got better but <laughs> I definitely you know feel more comfortable and just being able to feel at home wherever you are I think that's a really wonderful self-connection and um, I guess the other big thing that really developed my meditation and self-connection in that way was that I um, had a lot of problems with my health and I had this chronic pain since I was a kid and nobody knew what it was. And I got told so many times that either there's nothing wrong or there's a very mild issue and I just have to live with it because we've tried everything and then a few years ago it got to the point where it was completely debilitating and I couldn't work I couldn't even sit or lie down or anything every single movement caused me so much pain and I got told a range of things from well you're a young woman it's just anxiety or 
Um, we believe there's a problem, but we've tried everything. So it's just going to be like this for the rest of your life. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I believe that everybody can live a great life. And, you know, um, some things, yes, are a central, I can never say the word, a central sensitization, which I did find when I started to meditate. I mean, I would say it took me about three months of meditating before I actually felt like I could do it. And I didn't feel really silly and uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, you know, and then from that point when I was able to find some stillness in my mind, I was able to notice a very big difference in the huge pain flares that I would have because I believe that a lot of that panic and stress over, you know, these questions that had never been answered, what's causing it, will it ever go away? How will I get through the next five minutes? When I didn't stress and it was just calm and it was this realization that um, it wasn't my body letting me down, it was me and my body working together to get through whatever this was. Like that big realization that I'm on my own team, that helped to manage the pain in a huge way. And then when I noticed that kind of decrease to a, an extent, whatever was left when I was managing my mind and my body really well, I knew that that was the problem that still needed to be addressed. And that then helped me also, I think finding this um, serenity in myself gave me the energy to then keep fighting in the other ways. Because sometimes when you're so sick, you need help, but the constant roundabout of doctors and waiting and treatments and blah, blah, blah. It's so exhausting and you're often on your own. And when you don't have some kind of outlet or you don't have a, a, a connection to your emotions in a way that you can feel it, heal it, then let it go, there's not really a good coping strategy, you know? And so learning to self-soothe, learning to build this relationship with myself Oh, at the beginning, I hated myself. I couldn't stand myself. And I would realize like, you know, like there would be days of a pain flare and maybe on the third day when I hadn't left the house and I hadn't spoken to anyone, I would catch myself thinking these thoughts of this body is so pathetic and aren't you just ridiculous that you can't get through this and come on, just like buckle down and get to work and just power through. And then I could hear these thoughts and stop them and go, hang on a minute. That's not very nice. And at first, all I could do was notice them. And then I could stop them. And then I could replace them with something nice. But it took the process of building that relationship with myself 
to be able to believe the nice things that I was replacing those nasty things with. Because at the beginning, I couldn't believe a nice thing about myself, not one. And I had to really build love for myself so that I could then spread love throughout my whole life, you know? And, and I got to a point when I was starting to do the meditation and starting to not be so afraid of letting everything unravel because I knew those hard emotions were there, but I just was too afraid to feel them. And when I got there, I had this moment where I was like, my life can still be really great, even though I have this pain and this illness, because I can choose joy for myself every day. And that realization was just, oh, I can flip the perspective and I can be happy even when things are hard. And it started with just forcing myself to find one thing a day that brought me joy and that I could be grateful for. And at the beginning, it really could have been something as banal as this water tastes nice. I had a bed to sleep in. And then it became easier to find those things that I was grateful for to the point where it was just habit it was just natural and when I felt this gratitude in my life it was like everything had changed it was like oh my life is really great there are so many wonderful things in my life and I have slowly been able to focus on all of them instead of just this pain in my body and then you know when there are days where the pain is really bad, it's still okay. Because there's this kindness and this grace now in my life where those rest days are just not good, not bad, but they just are what they are. And then the good days are also just are what they are. And everything is great, you know? So it really my mind has completely flipped from the beginning of this, you know, ordeal of being in debilitating pain. And I certainly would not want to live through it again, but I feel very grateful to have learned so much about myself and especially to have learned it while I'm younger and I get to live the rest of my life knowing these things rather than realizing them when I'm 70 and only having a few years to do that, you know? So I feel very grateful. Yeah. Um, but yes, definitely not signing up to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and now you get to bring it to the world. I wrote down a couple of things you said just to reiterate them because they're so powerful. The things you okay. said in terms of like, number one, I have questions about backpacking through Europe because that just sounds amazing. Um but what I loved is that, number one, you said it took three months for you to really get how to meditate. And a lot of people that I talk to about meditation, whether they be clients or my friends, 
anybody who's looking into meditation, they're like, I just can't get it. And like, I love how you were like, it took three months for me to get it. And probably in those three months, you were probably, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, trying different ways to do it to see what felt right. Is that correct? Yeah, different ways, different types of meditation, different. Sometimes I would lie down. Um, but I like the thing was, I was never comfortable. There was never one comfortable position. And so being able to kind of accept this isn't going to feel great. But just close your eyes. And, you know, it can be as much as two minutes. But I think it's about keeping that promise to yourself of just committing. And, you know, sometimes even now, I would go a couple of weeks with, with doing really poor meditation and thinking, oh, this is so, I'm just not getting it, you know. But I think it's the same thing, just having grace for yourself that sometimes it's going to be great. And maybe sometimes you'll have these huge revelations and they're wonderful, but that's not the norm. And, you know, the, the point is to just be still in whatever way works for you. You know, that could be, I mean, it sounds contradictory, but a walking meditation is also good because even though you're moving, your mind's not really focusing on anything. You know, even if it's in the shower, where there's no electronics to distract you, you know, there's a reason we have shower thoughts, right? Because we can actually clear our mind. And I think so much of the time we think of meditation as just sitting on the floor with our legs crossed, with our eyes closed. And for a lot of people, that is how it works, but it doesn't have to be. Right. And it's, I guess, part of that self-connection is figuring out, what works best for you but it's hard work and I think this you know this feeling silly even if nobody's watching is one of the biggest barriers that our ego puts up to prevent us from meditation and you have to get through that first hurdle and all of a sudden it's like oh actually I do have 10 minutes to just be still okay I can do it I love too how you talked about it being hard because I think it is hard especially at the beginning but it's also hard when things come up that are just like oh you have to face this now and I think a lot of people think self-care is always easy and always that it's but it's like anything that you're new learning new right it's called a practice a meditation practice and I also love how you talked about in the shower because it was like that was an aha moment for me um, because yes, in the showers, when you have so many great ideas, you hear it all the time when people come in the office and be like, oh my God, I had this idea in the shower, right? And it's like an ongoing joke, but it's such a sensory experience too, in the shower with the water and the heat and the smell of whatever shampoo or soap you're using. And, and it's just like that in itself is very sensory. So it makes sense that that's, a, and to have a meditative practice while you're in the shower to just like be that's, that's yeah. Amazing. I'm glad you talked about that. Cause that's, it's so powerful. And the other quote that I pulled out when you were, well, I, there's a couple other things too, that I pulled out when you were talking was I'm on my own team. That's mm. so, so powerful to think about 
right? Like there's a team around you, but really when it comes down to it, you are on your own team. And can you speak to that a little bit more? Of course. I, this was a huge turning point for me because I think often we look to doctors for the answer or bosses to the answer or even our parents, right? And I think all of those viewpoints are very valid. But what changed it for me is that I'm in the driver's seat and everybody else is a passenger in my car and I can listen to all their opinions and I can respect all their opinions, but I don't have to follow all of their advice. Because, you know, there's the research side of things and go, okay, this is new and I'm willing to try this. And then there's the intuition side of things. And you might say, that sounds good, but it's not for me right now. I'm going to focus on this first. Mm-hmm. And people will get upset when you say that. But part of that building a self-relationship is listening to your intuition. Because, you know, I remember I, when I found my intuition again, I had this moment of my mind and my intuition are saying completely different things. And how long have I been leading myself down the wrong road because I'd forgotten how to listen to my intuition. And it was really a hard self-care practice to listen to that little voice and to trust it and to just go with it, even if you had no idea where it was leading. It was like field of dreams, right? Like if you build it, they will come. You're like, build what? I don't know. But you just have to go with it. And it's never led me wrong even though I've got no idea where I'm going. Yeah. So being in the driver's seat, that was important. Yeah. So that's super powerful. I find because like you said, there's so many people that tell you what you should do. I'm currently reading um, a book on manifestation by Esther and is it Jerry Hicks? I think Yeah. Jerry and Esther Hicks with Abraham. Um, and they're talking about how, it's very hard when people tell you what you should do, quote unquote should, um, because your soul has its own purpose and its own plan. And it's okay. Like in my mind, like it's okay to get, like you said, that advice to come in, but that as an individual, you have to figure out what, what feels right for you based on what your intuition saying. There's been plenty of times where I'm like, my intuition has said one thing and I'm like, yeah, but my, my mind says this. So I'm going to go that way. And then usually you get like slapped in the face later of like, that wasn't probably the best idea, but it was a good learning experience. <laughs> time to time to move on and get back on your path. So I love that. The other thing I wrote down that um, I liked, and I talked to my clients a little bit about this. I use the word story, but the idea of things that are in your head that you say to yourself. And I, I liked how you talked about, and I could totally see how this is going to help others when you're talking with others about this, about notice what you're saying, stop what you're saying and then replace it. So it's not like you're telling them to do like instantly, like all three of these steps. It's like, let's, let's take it incremental. Do you want to speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So it, it's really a process. And some days it will feel easier and some days it will feel so hard. 
And I think it's okay to, you know, if we say step one is to just notice it. And then, you know, one day you've been able to say five really lovely things to yourself. That's great. And then if the next day you can't think of anything nice, that's also okay. We're still making progress. And, you know, it's been said so many times, but healing is not linear. And I think also sometimes we've, we don't realize how much influence other people's words can have too. And, you know, maybe one day when you're feeling really down on yourself, it's not necessarily just because your brain's broken and you've forgotten how to do everything. But, you know, it can be as simple as someone bumped you in the street and, you know, gave you the, the finger while you were walking off and you thought, oh, they're just being stupid. But that feeling stayed with you. And you're like, I don't know why I feel yucky. You know, there's so many influences and... I remember once um, I was speaking to this doctor and I was talking about all my symptoms and they went, wow, your body must really hate you. And I was like, I know you said it in a nice way, but my body doesn't hate me. That's not, that's not what's going on here. And, you know, it was also just recognizing that people can express their opinion, but you don't have to accept their gift of whatever they're saying, you can say, thank you for your comment. I'm not going to absorb it. And I know that can sound a little bit woo-woo, but we always have the choice to take or to leave any kind of influence around us. And the same goes with our thoughts. We can take the thoughts of, I'm really proud of myself and I did a good job today, and we can leave the thoughts of you're a lazy slob. Mm -hmm. I also think the word lazy is horrible because I think most people when they're called lazy are just not doing something that really excites them and feels on purpose for them. Yep. But that's another thing. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree because a lot of times I, I like to joke around with like, if I'm having a, kind of a down day where not I'm feeling down, but I just feel like I want to have a relaxing day. I'm trying to switch that in my head of like before in my head, lazy meant like you're not, you're not doing enough for somebody like other people might think I'm being lazy because I'm taking a down day or, and now I'm trying to shift it of like, I can have a lazy day where I'm doing self-care for myself because I'm just sitting on the couch relaxing reading a book, maybe watching a, a, a silly Hallmark movie, right. Of like using that of like in my head of like switching that and not using the word lazy because it does have a negative connotation to it and saying like, I'm just having a relaxing down day where I'm taking care of myself because it's what my body needs right now. Yeah. But totally. I agree. What'd you say? A duvet day. I love it. And I also think like just rest is so important. And the more proactive we are in recognizing when we feel tired, whether that's physically or emotionally or mentally, we're able to prevent that burnout or that deep, I need four days of rest instead of just taking the afternoon off. Yes. And I always try to reframe it in a way that's, that says, 
if I take a break, then when I choose to get back into the things that I'm doing, I'm able to give much, I'm able to show up much better, much more attention, much more intent in what I'm doing. And I think that has value. Yeah. You know, I want to show up as 100%. When I commit to something, I'm there. And I also think that, you know, rescheduling something, we, we, we tend to say that deadlines are deadlines and they're completely immovable once we put them in our diary. But that's just not the case most of the time. You know, it is fluid and people will understand if you message and say, I'm just not sure that I'm able to show up for you in the way that I'd like. Is there any possibility that we can reschedule? And most of the time, people will be really understanding. And most of the time, you are so much harder on yourself than the other person will be. Yes. And when you do show up, you'll be there. And if the people don't understand, and it wasn't meant to be that you were supposed to be there in the first place, too, I feel. That's so powerful because I think you do. You People beat themselves up so much more than kind of what the other person's doing. The other person's like, okay, cool. I have some t- free time. And maybe I can get something done that I wasn't going to be able to get done. Maybe you're actually helping that other person because their schedule was so booked and they didn't want to cancel on you. But by you rescheduling, you're helping them. Yeah, I love fluid plans. You know, you put something out there and you're working towards it but you have no idea what's going to happen or how everybody feels on the day or you know if there's some really unexpected thing that comes up and when we are just able to go with the flow in a way that's still structured so we know where we're going in some sense that gives us so much um freedom but also autonomy and I think that that's really I know for me a a way that I can do things that feel purposeful but also not suffocating because I've got a bazillion deadlines and you know all this pressure um I just find it easier to manage and I'm sure everybody will have different things that they like and the way they like to work. But for me, fluid plans are gold. Yes. And I love how, like you talked about, right. And this goes along with that fluid plan idea. It goes along with everything that you talked about, like choosing joy as mm-hmm. like your option. Right. And like this morning, actually it wasn't this morning, the other day I was having a call with somebody and I got off and I was kind of like, huh, I don't really know how that went not really quite sure with, it was for something for work. And I was like, I was kind of like, my expectation was different than what actually happened. And I sat, I went outside after and sat on, I have a log, I have logs around my campfire and I sat on the log and I was just like, okay, I need to choose to not be disappointed and move up the scale to joy and happiness because being disappointed of my own expectation is not going to help anything. So I love that idea of finding joy. Do you have maybe like two or three tips for the listeners of how they can find joy when things are 
kind of iffy. I know you talked a little bit about that, but you, can you go into that a little bit more? Sure. I mean, I think these will be general because it's so individual. Um, but I think building joy is a muscle. And to get good at it, you've got to just practice, just like meditation, just like training for a sport, whatever it is. Um, but I think, you know, when you find that individual puzzle that works for you, that's the sweet spot. So steps to do that would be just noticing, you know, when you wake up in the morning, is this, is it your coffee that you're like this until I have coffee, I am not a human, you know, and, and that's something that really brings you joy. You know, also I think sometimes we can forget about joy because we're so stressed and overwhelmed at whatever the current situation is. And just taking a few deep breaths to calm, you know, to lower your heart rate, to calm your body, to just remember that this moment is only a moment, that can be really helpful in allowing you to see other things in the situation than the overwhelming stress. Because I believe that in every day there are so many things that can bring us joy and it's on a scale, right? You know, it can be the morning coffee, that's a small thing, but a very impactful thing. Or it can be, you know, spending Christmas with your family and having everybody there and just feeling like it's all a huge warm hug, you know? Obviously that's not everybody's Christmas, but it's mine. I'm definitely like Buddy the Elf on Christmas. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I say, it's, it's personal because a lot of people will think of the holidays and go, oh, I have to see my family again. I don't want to do that. And so it's, it's a little bit like detective work, but it's really, really rewarding. I and I that. think also remembering that it's fluid. Mm -hmm. You know, there could be a couple of months where, I don't know, there's a chocolate bar that you love and it makes you so happy and on a Saturday night, you'll watch a movie and you'll have a chocolate bar. And then a couple of months you go, oh, I don't really like that anymore. I'm going to find something else. Right. I love that how you were kind of talking about it's fluid too, because I think my dogs just started playing. So if they get loud, I might have to stop for a second and let them out. But um, I love how you talked about being fluid because there might be a day where you're not able to think of anything and you're just thinking like, okay, I'm just thankful for this fork that I have in my hand right now. So it can feed me. Right. And, but, or it could be something huge, like, like you said, like seeing family or, or a trip that you're able to go on or things like that. So, yeah. So I love that idea of this fluidity with, with finding joy. So where can, I don't want to keep you forever. Cause I know you've had a busy day um, where our day is just starting where can um, my listeners find you? So I have my podcast coming out. It's called The Art of Finding Joy. And we are talking to people about what brings them joy and purpose and also to experts like coaches and financial advisors and that sort of realm to give you 
some strategies so you can actually start building a life that feels really good to you, especially because I think something like money is often a big blocker to stop us from taking the leap between something we do and, you know, um, cope with and something that we thrive in and really, really want to pursue. So it's a mix of other people's individual recipes and also um, uh, advice and practical skills. So that you can find me there. It's on all the places you can find podcasts. And I'm also running a free three-day workshop um, in January that will be a, a workshop for you to move into the new year in a way that feels really good to you without the pressure of noticing what everybody else is doing and thinking you've got to start 50 new goals. And so we'll be talking more about how to find out what brings you joy and purpose, how to self-advocate and put up boundaries so that you can actually focus on the things that you want to focus on rather than all the things that everybody else is talking about. So important Um, boundaries. Yeah, and just um, loads of stuff. But, you know, they'll be two of the core topics. And also it's about creating a community of people that are moving, you know, at their own pace. But you'll be able to connect with them and have people to bounce ideas off and chat to. So I'm really excited about that. So if anybody is interested, I'm sure we can put the link in the show notes. Thank you, Heather. For sure. Do you have Instagram and Facebook that they could find you on as well? I'm on Instagram. So it's Instagram.com slash, you don't need to write that. Um, So my handle is underscore Jenny, J-E-N-N-I, Russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L. Excellent. We'll put that in the show notes too. Thank you. That is great. Well, it was so amazing having you here today on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. And definitely for all you listeners, go follow Jenny. She's been posting some great stuff on Instagram and um, follow her and subscribe to her podcast. So you can hear whenever things come out, um, you can hear her podcasts. Thank you, Jenny, for being on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. It was such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you about all around joy, happiness, the struggles you've faced and how you have helped to overcome or process them in your everyday. I know you gave a lot of tips and tricks for people to use and strategies for everybody to use as they face their own hurdles in their day. And it is not a question that you have so much valuable knowledge around this topic of joy, and self-connection. Thank you so much for being here and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to leave a rating and a review in the Apple iTunes store if you enjoyed this episode. Until next time, I sign off with love. Take care.